Guys, you stand with me as we uh, hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 131. O Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not raised too high. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul. I don't involve myself in great matters or things too difficult for me. Like a weaned child rests against its mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord, now and forever. This is the word of the Lord. So real quick before you sit down, I found that there are two kinds of people in the world, specifically two kinds of college students. We study two different ways. You either have lots of noise while you study, right? You're listening to some music, or you've got Netflix, maybe some Disney Plus streaming. There's always something coming in while you're trying to take something else in, right? Or there's those of you who go to the library, find a hole, and don't come up for noise, but like two times a day. Um, so take a minute, say good morning to the people around you, and tell them what is your study decibel level. For me, most of my life has always been in chaos. Y'all can take a seat. I have three kids and three jobs, and I live across the sidewalk from my parents. I think I have all that chaos because I like to feel productive a little bit at the end of the day, right? John talked about how every birthday that has a zero on the end, we kind of reevaluate things. So I'm looking back to when I was 20. And that season of life for me, when I was 20, 21 credits, 20 hours of work a week, had just started dating my now husband, handsome guy right here. And then last year, I turned 30, found my first gray hair on my 30th birthday, because God's funny like that. Um, and, and John was right. There was a major shift in my life and a bit of a reevaluation, reevaluation, and in this new season, God has invited me into a new kind of chaos. It's a chaos of silence, of stillness. This, our theme this semester is lessons I'm learning. Practicing a quieted soul, embracing intimacy with God. This is the lesson I've been learning or trying to learn over the last few years. As I finished college, started my married life, my professional career in the arts, I dwelt really solidly in this question of where is God? Why is God silent? Is God even really good? And why do others talk about God's love like this experience? And I've got theology and these 
beliefs that I practice, but I don't understand that intimacy. I don't understand it. My head and my actions reflected Christianity my whole life, but my heart was a little bit left out. And for those of you who know me, my heart likes to be engaged. And so I walked through these seasons of doubt, anger, angst, disappointment. I found comfort, at least internally, in the life of an agnostic. It was easier to say God's not explainable than to continue in this Christian world with a Christian God that told me that if I didn't have solid enough answers, this evangelical world that said I didn't have solid enough answers, I obviously didn't love God enough. And experiencing a quiet God for a heart and story-centered individual, a child of the charismatic movement, really kind of stinks. I practiced prayer as a mental exercise instead of a personal enterprise. And when you or I or anyone else in this room or anywhere thinks of God as just a set of propositions to accept or a set of practices to implement, our prayer life is in trouble. God, my, guys, my life with God was in trouble. So do you ever read a passage of scripture or a poem or maybe hear a song and you've heard it or seen it or read it a million times and then all of a sudden it's super impactful and all of a sudden poignant in ways you didn't understand? Here again, the words from Psalm 131. O oh Lord, my heart is not proud, nor are my eyes raised too high. I do not involve myself in things, in great matters, or things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child rests against its mother, my soul is like a weaned child within me. Israel, hope in the Lord, now and forever. Charles Spurgeon says that while this may be one of the shortest psalms that you can read, it's one of the longest to learn. So let me tell you a little story from Dr. David Benner that he has in his book, Surrender to Love, which I highly recommend. Um, he's a psychologist, a therapist, um, a spiritual director, and a young woman was assigned, I think court appointed to meet with him for some sessions. She had attempted suicide recently for the third time. She had made a pact with her boyfriend um, to meet him in death, and months before he had died from suicide. So he walks out of his office at the time that they're scheduled to meet. He sees a young woman, 15, dressed all in black, dark makeup on her face, her hair dark contrast to her really pale skin. And he invites her to come in. She stands up, and so does the woman in the denim skirt sitting next to her. They follow him into the office, and he's a little bit confused. Um, if you guys are anything like me, I bring up my mom in counseling, but I don't bring my mom to counseling. And this girl brought her mom to her counseling session. And he says, do you, do you want her here? And the young woman whose name was Amanda, she says, yeah, my mom's my best friend. I want her here. I invited her. Dr. Benner's pretty confused and intrigued by this relationship. And as the session goes on, he begins to see the intimacy that the two of them have. And eventually he just asks, 
how are you so close? And Amanda says, no matter what I've done, who I've been with, the words that come out of my mouth or the way I have used my body, every night, my mom snuggles with me. I crawl into her bed and she holds me. And Dr. Benner loved watching the rest of their relationship develop a bit through his time with them. And one of the things that he points out is that it doesn't, it didn't matter whether she was willing or not to receive that kind of love for her mom. That kind of action has a psycho-spiritual impact on us, right? So I read this story about a year ago, reading that book, and I melted because I'd been spending time seeking God to fill a nurturing, more maternal role for me. My aunt had passed away, my grandmother had passed away, and these were women who had shown me those sides of God. My relationship with my mom isn't too great. And this imagery captured me not only as a daughter of a human mother, but also as a woman seeking an intimate understanding of who God is. How many of you are familiar with the uh, worship song, How He Loves, by John Mark McMillan? Y'all know that line, heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. How many of you guys don't like that line? It's okay. It's all right. How many of you actually do like it? Because I'm going to be honest, I love that line. Love it. Loved it at 14, loved it at 19, loved it at 21 when I got married, and I listened to it today in the shower because I still love that song, and I love that line. Why? I have a degree in worship ministry. I understand the theological risks of such a line, but it's intimate, and it reminds me that God is intimate, and I am learning that God is intimate. I'm learning what has been a strong desire of mine in my relationship with God since middle school that I thought I was to stuff because it was too emotional, right? Is a God-given desire to understand a vaster image of who God is. There's an old song, it's even older than Slip Sliding Away, came out in 1948, it's called Nature Boy, and the line at the end is, the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. But sometimes it's hard for us to gather up this kind of an image of God. An image of a God is, who is nurturing or embracing, maybe a little bit maternal. With our imagery of a strong, leading, protecting God of Old Testament demands. But, but I don't think these are opposite things, right? They complement one another. The Catholic Church carries a doctrine called divine simplicity. So... In a nutshell, essentially, in God, there are not these quantitative parts like there are in us who are composed of body and soul, mind, heart, gut, right? But that God's attributes make up the being of God. So God is not composed of some goodness, some beauty, some wisdom, some justice, some wrath, but God is at the same time, in all its fullness, the infinitely good, beautiful, just God contains in one simple and unique perfection, the perfection of his being. All the multiple perfections we find divided among the creatures of creation, in addition to thousands and thousands of others we've yet to comprehend or experience. 
And when we take all we've learned about God and we're constantly processing and breaking it down and deconstructing every single piece, we get really tired, right? Faith isn't just theology class. Now, I love theology. The pursuit of, and knowledge of God is really good and necessary. But there comes a point where we marry our head knowledge and our heart experience and our active practices. To use the imagery of Psalm 131, can we approach God as weaned children? So I'll pause for a second here on the word weaned, which probably isn't a super familiar word for your current life stage. Um, I have three kiddos. They're seven, five, and three. And um, so the last eight years of my life have involved a lot of baby metaphors. There's currently not a baby in my house. I'm really happy about that. <laughs> Little kids are a lot of fun. But a weaned child, get, or an unweaned child, gets all its sustenance from its mother or its caretaker, right? It gets milk from a breast or from a bottle. And when an unweaned child cries or calls out, it's generally because it needs something essential to its survival, right? Clean me, feed me. I have these immediate needs that must be, net, must be met. It's, it's, a, it's a grabby kind of relationship, not a bad relationship, but it's a very needy one, right? But then this day comes when the child doesn't need those things from an external source. My three-year-old can get himself a cup of water. I would think by now, you guys are probably capable of cooking for yourself. You probably loved being at home over break and having other people cook for you. Maybe your mom did your laundry. But if she didn't, I really hope you didn't fall on the floor screaming, right? So a wean child has a different relationship with their caretaker or with their mother, a deep need for relational connection. And they, we seek out a warm embrace. We seek out being held. We seek out being known. And that's reciprocated back a little bit, right? So the caretaker is not just a source of milk, but becomes a person, a being, someone to snuggle with a bit, to use Benner's imagery, right? You create a heart-to-heart -heart connection. And that's the trans there's this transition of not, what is mom going to do for me? It's not even so much, what am I going to do for mom? But there's a little bit of this, let me be with this person. Be in their presence, holding on to, without agenda, output, input. <sighs> Just be. Let my soul be with God. Are we willing to go there? Are we willing to enter into that embrace with God? That heart-to-heart -heart presence where who you are really connects with who God really is. It's a stillness, a holding, a stopping, a resting, a letting go of expectation and explanation. Because if God is just theology to you, what happens when you come to a question you can't answer anymore? 
And if God is just the doing to you, what happens when you don't know what to do next? Or all the things you thought you were supposed to do, you can't do anymore. Perhaps we need to reevaluate a bit of our image of God because it's hard to want to embrace someone you don't know. Our understanding of God is almost always through some lens of humanity. We carry a crafted God image that isn't always true. And at the same time, because we're always encountering other humans and always re-encountering God constantly, we can allow our understanding of God to grow and open, to allow God his divine simplicity, his wholeness of all the things all at once. I had a pastor once who used to refer to the God of my present understanding. And at first I was a little bit like, he hasn't taken enough theology classes, you know. He, is he saying that God, does, that God changes based on our understanding? That God is dependent upon our understanding? Because that, that's kind of what I heard. But obviously, he meant the exact opposite. God is the same. It's my understanding that's of the present. And as I allow myself to just be fixed to some absolute truths about the Trinity, about Jesus, about the mystery of our faith, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again but we learn to appreciate the journey of what I know today not being what I know in 10 years or what I understand in 10 years when I find my second gray hair on my 40th birthday. I think we come to college and expect to walk away with a lot of answers and the reality is we almost always walk away just starting to learn how to ask questions. Oh Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not raised too high, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rests against its mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. Israel, Hope in the Lord, now and forever. Over the last year or so, this is the song of my soul. I read this psalm for the first time again on the beach of Lake Michigan last year. It was freezing, lots of blankets, lots of pants, really wet butt, sitting on the sand for a few hours. And then my face got wet too because I started crying, ugly crying and I don't like crying, but I cried over the loss of my aunt. I cried over the loss of my grandma. I cried over the relationship that I had wanted with my mom that wouldn't be. I cried in gratitude that maybe what I had longed for in a relationship and intimacy could be found in God. And I cried as I grieved a bit the old image of God I had that had a limited, that had limited my awareness of his presence in my life. I cried because God showed up and snuggled me. Maybe that's a little weird for you, but to me, it was a gift. Images from the Bible about this intimate God all of a sudden came alive. God gathered me like a chick in his wings. For years, I wasn't willing. 
This is an image from Matthew 25. In Hosea, God gathering me up with bands of love, human kindness bent down and feeding me. As James writes, I drew near to God, he drew near to me. The invitation from Jesus and John, abide in me. We have that really incredible image of John, the beloved disciple, so aware of how much God loves him with his head against Jesus' chest at that final table. All of a sudden, these images were alive, and I was invited into them, and my soul quieted within me. Just a little bit. And I let my questions rest in the presence. And I accepted an invitation to a bit of peace in my constant internal dissonance. One breath, one word, one really long year at a time. Uh, My good friend Addie calls this breaking down of our understanding composting. It's not deconstructing, which is a word I'm sure you guys are super familiar with when we think about faith, right? But it's not something we do in anger or in destruction. Um, y'all go to school in farm country, in case you didn't realize. Um, and I live on a farm, so let's take a second and talk about what composting is. So I can look out my kitchen window around this way around a barn, and there's just a big pile. Literally just a big pile. And all the things that go into it are anything that was once alive but now dead. So animals, plants, food scraps, manure, rotten hay, old bedding, it all gets put in to this pile. And I'm not a scientist, so forgive me a bit here, but a combination of chemistry and biology break it down and make it fertilizer for the next season, using heat and turning all the goodness in the once alive and then dead is now alive again in a new form. And at the right temperature, this pile even kills off weed seeds, parasites. Anything that's bad in it goes away. It doesn't even stink. That's what's kind of crazy. A well-tended compost pile, you pick it up, smells like fresh earth, like you're going through a walk through a field. If you don't tend to it and you don't have some good stuff in it, all those different things all the different things. If it's just one thing, it's not good enough, and it'll stink. It'll just sit there and stink. It's a little bit like spirituality, I think, my friend Addie thinks. All these things that we carry and know and do come to a pile of turning and churning, and this is an incredible image for me. If our reevaluating looks like a well-tended compost pile, think of all the stuff that you got to put into it, and all the time you spend in the heat No farmer gets angry at a compost pile for being full of trash, full of rubbish. That's what it's for. And then it feeds new life. The heat of the compost, the burning, the intensity, it creates and feeds new ground and becomes sustenance for some really beautiful blooming. We need intimacy with God. We could stand here and challenge you into it could tell you what to do, give you some tools, here's what you got to do in church, here's how to behave, here's how to pray, and while those are all really good things, I think what mostly, again, directly affects our ability to be intimate with someone is our image or our understanding of them. Scripture gives some incredible images. I mentioned them earlier. I'm sure there's hundreds more. 
this inviting, nurturing God who cares for our heart and our soul, who desires us to seek him with our mind and share and serve him with our actions. So let's explore a picture of God together that's inviting, non-confrontational but invitational, this mutual vulnerability where there's less a sense of knowing and more a sense of being. There is theological truth that we hold on to about who God is, but there's also an emotional truth, a heart reaction to the way God sees us and the way we see God. What comes between, between you and intimacy with God? Is there maybe an invitation to transition from what can God do for me or what can I do for God to encompass How can I be with God? Gather yourself into that image from Psalm 31. Allow yourself to imagine that your approach to God looks like that. It's a special space, a one-on-one, a heart-to-heart with an intimate, unboxed divine being who listens to you and asks you questions, speaks to you and hopes you're learning to listen. It's not, my life is falling apart, I need you right now! It's just, I'm here. Like a weaned child to her mother who comes because what better place to be than snuggled in a warm and comforting embrace. What does that do to you? To the God of your present understanding? What about God do you hold on to strongly that maybe you need to let God recraft? what needs to be thrown into the compost pile to bring forth new life. Maybe something from Sunday school that was oversimplified for who you are now, where you are now. You've collected a lot these last two decades, right? In your head, your heart, your gut, about who God is, about spirituality. Tend to that pile, bring new life and love. Let your heart and God's heart connect. Create something new within you. Culture tells us that the result of belief in God is rigidity, perfunctory performance, action. There is truth there. We learned last semester in our exploration of how God cares God does give us an understanding of what is good. So to be free to run without the heavy weight of constant sin. What if also the result of relationship with God was that we became a loved people, a comforted people, a calm and quieted people? Loved by others, loving others, dare I say loved by yourself. Friends, it's a really lovely space. I see it as a gift. I can't tell you how much this newfound intimacy with God has changed my faithing, my inner life, my marriage, my parenting, my awareness of just about everything around me. And this is what I'm learning. I'm learning to open my image and understanding of God. 
to let this idea of divine simplicity be a welcome invitation to a mysterious God that holds all things and holds me. Moving deeper into a system of beliefs and expectations of behavior that holds steady and true to union with God to this intimate spiritual relationship. I invite you to come along on this journey of loving a God that isn't always explainable, of receiving a gift from a God that is all the things, all at once, in their entirety, as I sit here in my pieces, waiting to be put back together in his spirit. To quiet our souls and embrace the intimacy of God. Last semester was rough in many ways. Y'all were really tired. Your schedules were crazy. Y'all were super stressed. We were frustrated with our community members for different reasons. And now we're back. It's a new season. It's a new semester. Some of you are refreshed from being at home. Some of you are refreshing from being at home. And so we come back with a choice. We can walk in these frantic spaces, constantly welcoming noise and adding to the noise, viewing faith and community and learning spirituality as something to rip apart constantly, approaching this learning as challenge and just a deconstructing. Or we could enter into spirituality and this time we have together, the sacredness of every interaction, accepting an invitation to settle our actions and our intellect in the presence of God, still and quieted in God's embrace. You guys stand with me. I invite you to plant your feet firmly on the ground. Don't worry, I will let you go in time. Take a deep breath. In and out. Close your eyes if you want. Just take a minute. I invite you to do this every day. One breath. One day at a time. One breath in the presence of God. And I woo, this is my prayer for you. Pray with me. I borrowed this from Paul. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Y'all are sent out. <laughs>